When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Steven Dorf, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. Uh, and leave a review or a rating on Apple or Spotify. It actually really helps us out a lot. Uh, we're going to finish up the Eastern Conference uh, divisional, you know, uh, predictions for the upcoming season. We've covered the Atlantic. We've covered the Central. Now it's time for the Southeast. Um, you know, those teams consist of Miami, Atlanta, Washington, Orlando, as well as Charlotte. So Hirsch, let's get started with the team that finished in first in this division last year, the team that beat our Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs, the team that made it to the finals last year, Miami Heat. Yeah, uh, we're going to start off with the Heat, uh, like we did, you know, in our previous ones. And like I keep mentioning, uh, we're going to do it in order of the records and the way they finished last season. Um, but yes, uh, like you mentioned, the Heat lost in the NBA Finals after uh, being a play-in team, the first team to ever uh, make that kind of a run, being a play-in team. Uh, they re-signed Kevin Love in the offseason. Uh, he was a big acquisition at the deadline for them. Um, they signed Josh Richardson, who's a former Miami Heat, coming back to the Heat, uh, where he did play some of his best basketball previously. Uh, as well as Thomas Bryant, who was on that Nuggets team that beat them in the finals. Um, they drafted Jaime Jaquez Jr. in the first round. Uh, he looked like a pretty promising prospect, at least in summer league and from what we've seen out of him. Uh, but they did lose a lot of depth, Steve, in the offseason with uh, Victor Oladipo being gone, Max Struess leaving, as well as Gabe Vincent going to the Lakers. And they also lost their backup big man, Cody Zeller. And... I mean, I know Udonis Haslam didn't play much, but he was kind of the heart and soul of that team uh, after being there for so long and kind of like a second coach. Uh, he also retires. So what are your kind of thoughts on, you know, the Heat and what they've done this offseason? Because it seems like, you know, they kind of gave up a lot of depth. Yeah. So, you know, every, you know, the whole Heat offseason uh, thing was where, you know, people were talking about, are the Heat going to land a big superstar? Are they going to land a guy like Damian Lillard? Uh, ultimately they have not done that yet. Dame has, you know, said he wanted to play in Miami, but they couldn't, you know, come to an agreement that the Blazers thought would be worth for Damian Lillard. Uh, so now you look at this heat roster and it's just a worst route. It's a worse roster from what they had, you know, the previous five years, you know, they've made it to the finals twice in this five-year stretch. They've made it to the conference finals another time. Uh, they're losing those guys now. They've lost, you know, Struess and Vincent, guys who really, really heated up in the playoffs. I never believed Max Struess. We talked about it on one of our first podcasts. I was like, is Max Struess going to be someone who's really killing us from the playoffs? He, he, I mean, he really was this year. So it's a big loss for them. Oladipo, a guy who wasn't really able to stay healthy for them, but when he was out there, it looked like he was starting to, you know, surge back to what maybe he could have been. But I think it really comes down to, 
are they going to get Damian Lillard at some point in the regular season? And I think, you know, the follow-up question to that is losing all this depth. If they do get Damian Lillard, they're going to have to give up more depth. They're going to have to give up Tyler Hero draft picks. Are they going to be in a position where they can compete, where they're deep enough to compete, even if they do get Dame Hirsch? Yeah, I think the Heat are in a, are in a pretty tough spot here just because I think they've kind of boxed themselves in when it comes to, you know, kind of what they have to do going forward and their flexibility. Um, you know, they're paying Jimmy Butler one of the highest paid contracts in the NBA for a significant amount of time. And like as an aging player, we don't really necessarily know how good Jimmy Butler is going to continue to be. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo is still, you know, young. He's entering his prime. I I think he's – I really like him. I think he's, you know, a very, very good all-star caliber big man. Um, but, you know, with that, we, we haven't seen them really win a final. I mean, we've seen them go far, and this team has been able to take them far, but it hasn't been able to take them necessarily over the top. Um, would, would Dame put them over the top? Possibly. I think it would be a, a good, like big three. I think, you know, they would de- definitely be considered, you know, a, a bona fide contender in the Eastern conference and some, and, and that would be a team that as a Bucks fan, I would be worried about. Um, but I think the depth really does hurt them, especially, you know, if they have to give up a guy like Caleb Martin in that trade to get Dame, um, or maybe even some other guys that they drafted, like if they had to give up Jaime Hawkes as well, like I think, you know, losing a lot of that, you know, that depth and that youth, it, it, it would box them into kind of having, you know, this this same team for the rest of the, the remainder of these guys' contracts, basically. Yeah, and I think like on paper, right, like people, you know, you see Damian Lillard, you see Bam Adebayo, and you see Jimmy Butler on the same team, and it makes you, you know, you're you're like, oh, like, oh, here we go. Like, this is the Heat doing what they do, get assembling big threes. It's the super team era. But like, look at what these super teams have done. Like, you're, you know, quote unquote, super teams, right? We've seen the Brooklyn super team. We've seen, uh, I mean, now we have this Phoenix super team. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, with James Harden and Embiid, two former MVP winners, Tyrese Maxey, it, it just hasn't really been working. So I think that, you know, theoretically, it's really cool when you put these three superstars together. But when you're losing the depth, which in the playoffs, it really, really, you need that depth. We've seen it with, you know, as Bucks fans, we've seen it as basketball fans, the heat this, you know, this year, it was a depth run. Jimmy Butler was great against us. And when he struggled, his teammates picked up the slack for him in those other series. So they, they were, they would be sacrificing all their depth, you know, for one more player to hopefully put them over the edge. Would it work? I personally don't believe so, honestly, like I'm just, I, I'm at the point where I don't think super teams work. I think you need to kind of do it more organically, kind of what they've been doing. I mean, what they've been doing is, you know, giving them a lot of success and I mean, ultimately not enough to put them over the hump, but what they have is clearly, you know, a working formula or a winning formula. So I just think that trading for Damian Lillard might be a bit overkill and might just, you know, put them just, you know, if you lose one of those guys, you're done. So I just think it's, it's a big risky move with a really high risk. And I don't think the reward, you know, historically has shown to pay off. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good take. And we, I mean, we got to remember too, that they do have Eric Spolstra, who's, you know, widely regarded as probably a top three coach in the league. So I mean, he he can he should he's shown that he could do a lot with not necessarily the greatest amount of talent. Um, he just kind of just needs guys that he can put out there, and he knows how to use them. But 
Uh, let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I think they're a pretty interesting team. They went 41 and 41 last year, so directly at 500. Uh, they re-signed Dejounte Murray four years, 120 million. Uh, that was basically their biggest move of the offseason. Uh, they signed Wesley Matthews, former Milwaukee Buck. Uh, we know all about him. Traded for Patty Mills, solid backup point guard. Uh, drafted Kobe Bufkin and a couple of guys in the second round named Mohamed Gay and Seth Lundy. Um, and then they ended up trading away John Collins, which I also think is a, a decently big storyline here in this offseason. He's been on the trade block for multiple years now at this point. Um, so it's kind of nice to see him just like get a new get a new home uh move move places and then they also you know lost their backup point guard and Aaron Holiday who goes to the Rockets uh so yeah what, what what's your reaction to kind of what the Hawks did this year yeah I mean it's really interesting I mean this is a team that you like you said went exactly 500 uh they they made a big move for DeJounte Murray last year um you know, to pair him up with Trey Young in the backcourt. And I've, I've been on record to say I am not a huge fan of when teams, you know, put their two best players or, you know, three best players and they all play, you know, in the relative, you know, they all dominate in the same area of the game, right? Both Murray and Trey are, you know, great ball handlers. They're lead guards and they need to run the offense. Uh, when you put that together, it's it becomes a lot of my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. So, Quinn Snyder's a good coach. I mean, we've seen the damage he's been able to do with, you know, uh, uh, his Utah teams with Gordon Hayward and Donovan Mitchell. So it's a good coach. I think, you know, Quinn Snyder can make some things happen. I think the Atlanta Hawks can be a competitive playoff team. But again, when you just look at their, you know, their top two players, we, you know, we, t- we talked about Trey Young. We, we really like Trey Young. We think he might be the most underrated player in the NBA, but their two best players are guards. And to me, that's an issue. Clint Capella is really cool. They have a plethora of, you know, young and athletic wings like Hunter, um, Griffin. So Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson, you know, the, <laughs> the Milwaukee native. So it's just, I just really don't like the DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, you know, mix or, you know, fit. So to me, that's kind of the overarching problem and why I think that even if they do, you know, win 50 games, I don't see them making it past the second round. Yeah, 50 games might be a stretch. I don't know if really, even if they can get to there. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying even if like in best case scenario, even if they do manage to win 50 games this year, I don't think it's a team, you know, a 50 win season where they're making it past the second round. That That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I don't see them making it past the second round either. Uh, I definitely could see them possibly improving from what they did last year, like, you know, at least making the playoffs or making at least a, some noise. Cause I know they, they didn't make the playoffs and they took a game against Boston, but I mean, no one really thought that the, that Boston was going to lose that series. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you mentioned, you know, just getting Quinn Snyder last year, I really think, you know, the expectations for the upcoming season are just going to be, you know, can, can Quinn Snyder really develop some sort of chemistry or some sort of, you know, scheme or game plan with a full off season under his belt, full training camp with these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. We know he, he was brought on midway through the year last year. So he didn't really have an opportunity to like get to know any of his players uh, really like pick any of the players he wanted in free agency or in the draft. Cause normally coaches will have some input on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see it. Like you mentioned, he's, you know, he's got a good track record in Utah. Um, 
I think he is a good hire for Atlanta, and I think you kind of just have to watch it play out at this point. Absolutely. And, yeah, this might even be the – like on paper, this might be the most talented team Quinn Snyder's had the chance to coach. So, But when you just compare it to the teams, the other teams in the East, I just – I don't see it, man. I really don't see it. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break here. We're going to uh, cover the, the last three teams in the uh, division here, the Wizards, the Magic, and the Hornets. My name is Stephen Dorf. That's Hershey Winkleman, and we'll be right back with the Bucks and Six podcast. All right, back on the Bucks and Six podcast, we're covering the Southeast Division. Moving on to the Washington Wizards, Hirsch. Uh, they went thirty-five and forty-seven last year. Uh, they might have actually had the biggest offseason in the NBA of just total player movement. I mean, we saw them. You know, let's get the obvious out of the way. We saw them trade away their two biggest superstars and Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Bradley Beal. Brad Beal has, you know, won a scoring title in the NBA. You know, three four years ago. Uh, been a wizard his whole career. Chris Stapps uh, recently acquired, was it last year, I think, like in the offseason? So only had Chris Stapps for a short time now, but really, really good player when he's out there on the court. We've talked about his health being, you know, his biggest problem. But, you know, those two things. But, you know, you trade away two players like that, you're going to get a lot back for it. So, I mean, they got uh, guys like Jordan Poole, you know, a guy who we've seen, a young guard who we've seen elevate his game in the playoffs before, you know, last year had a down season. You know, some of that could have been with just the Warriors chemistry with the whole Draymond Green situation. But Jordan Poole, an exciting young guard for them to maybe try and build around. They got Landry Shamit, a nice role, a nice role player who's been on multiple playoff teams in his career so far. Patrick Baldwin, another, you know, Milwaukee native. Uh, I actually got to see him <laughs> in high school once, but... Uh, you know, promising young wing. He's really tall. He can shoot or, you know, the thought is that he can really might be able to shoot and play defense. Danilo Gallinari, another, you know, good role player. Uh, he's had a consistent role in the league. We've seen him put up 20 points in previous seasons. So Tyus Jones from Memphis, another good young backup point guard, or maybe not young at this point, but in his prime, you know, good young backup point guard. We like it. So Mike Muscala, you know, role player from Boston. He's just been a backup center his whole career. And then uh, that's basically it from all the trades. We saw them draft Bilal Koulibaly with pick seven. Uh, Victor Wembanyama's teammate in France. So that's something to be pretty excited about. Maybe Victor Wembanyama stole all the hype from this guy. So he's a better prospect than anybody would have thought. Uh, and then they re-signed uh, Kyle Kuzma actually to a four-year deal, uh, $90 million total. Uh, Hirsch, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. It's a lot to cover with the Wizards. Um, what are your just overall thoughts, opinions, just on what the Wizards are trying to do, what their direction is at this point? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Uh, a lot of times, you know, when you see a team just trade away their two main guys, you see them, you know, get a plethora of draft picks. You guess you see them get a lot of young players. Um, but it really just seems like they got, you know, Patrick Baldwin and Jordan Poole when it comes to like young players. The other guys are kind of either veterans or, you know, uh, like Koulibaly, I think is probably their, like their best, uh, their young player at this point, other than maybe Jordan Poole, if he can put it together. Um, but yeah, it definitely, I think the main question is, is it a retool or a rebuild in Washington? I definitely think it would be considered more of like a 
a retool at this point. I mean, you get Jordan Poole, you get Danilo Gallinari. Um, you look at this, another guy we didn't cover, but we got, uh, or they, uh, I guess they actually let go of Monty Morris too, but Tyus Jones, they've got a lot of guys. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I think it is uh, more of a rebuild, definitely more of a rebuild. I'm looking at this at this point. I mean, it's just a lot of, eh, and if it works out, if it's anything like the Nets, maybe where it's just a bunch of guys bought into a good system, then it could be more of a retool and they could look at, you know, a play in type of hunt. But considering what they got out of, you know, those two star caliber players losing Monty Morris as well, losing Taj Gibson, Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm actually going to side with the the rebuild and, you know, they're going to have to make the most out of, you know, their draft picks they have, the few draft picks they got in the trades. Uh, Bailal Koulibaly is hopefully someone they can build around with Jordan Poole. Um, the Wizards are the, I mean, right now I think are the full, the total definition of a wait and see type of thing because it could totally be a Brooklyn Nets 2.0 where they're, you know, slightly under 500 team. They're competitive. They're bought into a good defensive system. Or it could be the com- you know complete opposite. Nobody cares. Jordan Poole's whatever. He's just there putting up points. You know, maybe even giving you 30 a game just because they have got nobody else. So we'll see. Um, Definitely. I think, do say, though, um, I, I think they could be like just like a fun team to watch if you ever want to just like toss on an NBA game, especially with guys like Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, just guys who like to light it up and shoot, take a ton of shots. I just think they could be, you know, a fun team to watch if you have like league pass or if they're just like on national TV, uh, just because they're, they, you know, they got some interesting young guys. So I think it'll be, it'll be fun to see. Yeah, no, I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to be flashy, you know, Poole, Kuzma, more, you know, two of the more flashy young players in the league. So uh, I think that, I mean, at worst, you're going to see a team where Jordan Poole is, you know, making highlight plays game in, game out. Kuzma is going to be dropping 20 plus a night. Uh, That's the worst case scenario. You're not going to win games, but you're going to have those two guys to watch. So I think that's about it for the Wizards right now. Let's cover the Orlando Magic. Another team, you know, to be considered with the better one of the better young cores in the entirety of the NBA. Uh, start off with some uh, some of their smaller moves. Admiral Schofield, college superstar. They resigned him. Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner, brother of Franz Wagner. They resigned him as well. Um, they they actually signed Joe Ingles from the Bucks on a decent contract. Uh, he's going to be a nice veteran presence for that locker room. And then they also brought in Mac McClung, the dunk contest champion. Maybe he gets a chance to actually show what he's capable of in the NBA. I mean, a lot of people are very familiar with his high school uh, highlight reels. So let's see if that can translate to the NBA on a young roster with maybe a little opportunity. Uh, let's get to their draft acquisitions. Hirsch. They got Anthony Black and Jet Howard. Uh, I believe Anthony Black was from Arkansas. Is that right? Arkansas. And then Jet Howard from Michigan. So uh, I think, I mean, I was a fan of the Anthony Black pick, even though, you know, they added another guard, but I like his frame being like 6'5", 6'6". And then uh, Jet Howard, I don't, I didn't love the pick because, you know, they're a team with a lot of wings right now. They have Franz Wagner. They have Paulo Bancaro. Those are, you know, their two building pieces. And now they just got another guy. And it's just like, where's the fit with that? I think you were about to, you know, touch on how they need a big man. And there was definitely, you know, some big men they probably could have went after in the draft. Um, 
So yeah, Hirsch, how did you feel about Anthony Black, Jet Howard in the draft, especially Jet Howard, because I know that was more of the controversial pick for the Magic this year. Yeah, you know, I think the Magic definitely are a team that needs to figure out what they're going to do about their, you know, guard situation, especially now with drafting Anthony Black. They basically have four young, promising guards, uh, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with that because two of them are obviously going to have to come off the bench and play last minutes uh, with Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and now Anthony Black. Uh, and then, then you mentioned Jed Howard. And when you have, you know, two of those guards coming off the bench, Jet Howard's maybe your eighth or ninth man in the rotation being, you know, the 11th or 12th pick in the draft. Uh, you know, I think that's definitely going to be an interesting storyline to watch. But like you mentioned, their big man situation, they really only have, you know, at center, they have Wendell Carter and then they re-signed Mel Wagner to be their backup center. Um, you know, I think, is that really going to be enough? And you also look at the signing of Joe Ingles. Does that take away... You know, does he play? Does does that take away minutes from like a guy like Jet Howard who could be, you know, developing on a young team who doesn't really have any expectations coming into the season? But what are your kind of predictions going into next year? Where do you, what do you where, where do you think this team is going to end up? Yeah, see, I mean, the Magic have just been a team that I feel like for the past ye- like five years or so, we've just been talking about every year how they just have a log jam at point guard, they have a log jam at wing, whatever. It's just every position, whatever. They're just they're stacked with like young talent, but it's like. They don't have the guy and they have a bunch of guys who could maybe become that one day, but they don't know. And they can't really commit to any of them yet. And unfortunately I think it's starting to look a little bit more like that, you know, more of the same again for them. Like you said, Anthony black being probably the fourth rostered point guard on their team. Um, Jet Howard is, you know, the third or fourth rostered wing. And these guys were both lottery picks. I mean, like you, you talk about drafting for like necessity and, you know, positional need. And it seems like maybe they just went with their best guys available rather than that. But I thought that, you know, maybe the magic with Paulo Bancaro, with Franz Wagner, with the leap we saw Franz Wagner take, and with the leap I expect Paulo Bancaro to take, maybe they could make some noise as a play in team, maybe better as an actual like low seeded playoff team, a seventh seed, a six seed. So, I mean, yeah, I just think they they need to figure out like what they're doing with their rotations because it just seems like they're they're gonna have a fourteen man rotation with how many guys they have. Yeah, do you think they're you know maybe gonna be able to make some noise in like a play in situ- situation, or do you think you know that they're probably looking at another you know lottery lottery finish? Well, yeah, no, like I said, I mean, I think that they're gonna have to figure out this logjam first. And if they can manage to do that this season and figure out who they can trust to play, you know, game in, game out, then yeah, I think this team actually like has the talent to make some noise as a play-in team. Is the coaching there? I don't know. But the talent on paper, I think like with the like with the jump I expect Paulo to make, with the, you know, if with the the progression I, you know, expect Franz Wagner to continue to make, I think they could be. They just they need to figure out, you know, their their, their actual rotational issues first. I think that's their biggest issue right now is who's going to play, who, who's going to play night in, night out. They, they, they really don't know. They have so many guys and they're all like, like relatively worthy of minutes. It's just, they haven't been able to commit. Like they've had Markel Fultz. It's like, if you can't commit to him, trade him, let him move on. You have Cole Anthony. You didn't really commit to Cole Anthony. You brought in Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs disappointed. So now you bring in Anthony Black. So it's just, Who's the guy for them? How are they going to commit? And it's the same deal with Jet Howard. It's like you just had Franz Wagner show he's 
very capable. Now you bring in Jet Howard. So we'll see. But uh, 34 and 48 was the record last year. I wouldn't be shocked if it's something relatively similar this year, maybe somewhere around the 38 to 37 win mark. Um, yeah, that's kind of my take with the magic. Hirsch, if you have anything to add. Yeah, I mean, I think like you mentioned, they're they got a revolving door at multiple positions. And, you know, like I like I mentioned, I, I still think they're kind of weak at big man. You know, if Wendell Carter goes down with injury, if you know Mo Wagner goes down with injury, they're 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 gonna be having to play some small ball. So, you know, and that's not necessarily a, a winning, you know, a recipe at this point with, you know, some teams, you know, deciding to go big and they can just out rebound you and destroy you on the glass, and that's how you lose. So not like, yeah, it's not like these teams are made of, you know, the, they don't have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson level shooters. I mean, yeah. not even close to that right now. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to the last team in the division, the Charlotte Hornets. They finished in last in the division last year with a 27 and 55 record. Uh, you know, one of their biggest moves, I guess, you know, they had a 1A, 1B in terms of offseason hype moves, but re-signing LaMelo Ball to a $260 million contract over five seasons. It's a lot of money, Hirsch. It's a lot of money. Let's just talk about that right now. Is that something that, you know, I because we know, we all know LaMelo Ball's talent is there. You know, the biggest, pro, or the biggest question with LaMelo is, is he going to stay healthy? Can he play an 82-game season? Can he give us a 70-game season? Uh, LaMelo Ball, Hirsch, do you have confidence in him being the franchise player for the Hornets? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like we mentioned, like you mentioned before we even started recording, it's a lot like the Tyrese Halliburton scenario in, in Indiana. You know, it's, you know, both extremely talented point guards, both could be considered, can be considered, you know, top 10 easily at their position. It's just a matter of, are you, are you going to be out there on the court? And LaMelo Ball has unfortunately not been able to show that he can stay on the court. Um, So 260 over five years, like you mentioned, yeah, that's massive money. Uh, the Hornets have fully committed to LaMelo Ball being their centerpiece of their franchise. So now it's just a matter of, is he going to be able to actually be that? And I think that's kind of the main, or if not the second biggest question surrounding this team so far. Absolutely. I mean, they really need to prioritize his health. I know last year he was dealing with some ankle problems. And then the one, one of them was like a freak accident where, you know, he stepped on like a fan shoe and it, you know, tweaked his ankle right after getting back. So you know, assuming he can stay healthy, I like the I like the contract for them. I mean, they got their guy. They got him at pick three a couple of years ago. So now, you know, they're committing to him and they they believe in him. So I think the talent is fully there. And I think that they need to, you know, really prioritize his health, make sure that they can keep him healthy because then I love the contract. I think they will love the contract and I think he can lead them to success down the road. Uh you know, let's but and that kind of brings us on to the next guy, uh, Brandon Miller. You know, they drafted him number two overall. A lot of people were, you know, harping on them to take Scoot Henderson and you know do run a you know a, a two point guard uh, backcourt, and they ultimately decided that no, they're going to let Lamelo Ball run their team, and then they're going to get him his running mate and Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, uh, from Alabama last year is you know a six ten six nine wing who can shoot lights out you know he's got the length to play you know to be an elite defender in the nba hirsch is this you know the perfect running mate for a guy like Lamelo ball 
Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, he he looks pretty impressive. Uh, he had he was kind of up and down in summer league. Um, you know, he had won a couple really good games, a couple you know not great games where he didn't really show up. Um, you know, him kind of running with Lamelo, them bringing back a guy like Miles Bridges, who they do have chemistry with because he has been there for a long time. Um, you know, they brought back PJ Washington as well. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're just going to be kind of they're going to be they're going to be exciting to watch. They're going to be running. They're going to be, you know, dunking. It's going to be a lot of high flying action. And I think Brandon Miller can kind of just fit in there, be that shooter, be that, you know, defender, you know, find find his little areas, find those little pockets, because not a lot of the guys on the team are able to do that. Uh, Brandon Miller, I know, likes to model his game like almost completely after Paul George. And I think, you know, if he's able to kind of harness that, on um on the Hornets, I think you know he could definitely find a lot of shots into the in this offense because I mean yeah like Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, those are guys who kind of have to get a pass to you know score. Whereas Brandon Miller, I think can score on his own. Yeah, and I mean with Brandon Miller, I mean we saw him struggle a little bit in uh, you know the summer league, you know fouling a lot missing a lot of shots. He was really inefficient, but you know, again, that comes with being a rookie. Uh, I think it's going to take some time though, is the thing that, you know, we as like NBA fans is, you know, if you're a Hornets fan, like you're going to have to kind of wait with him. He's going to like, he's not going to come out and just be lights out shooting 40% from three, giving you 20 a game. Like that's just not how the NBA works. Uh, LaMelo ball is still super young and it's not like just because you re-sign LaMelo ball. Now the clock is ticking today. It's like you still you have five years right now to kind of build something with Brandon Miller and figure it out. But I like the idea of the draft pick. I like, you know, you know, I mean, a 6'10, you know, 6'9 wing who can shoot and play defense is basically the perfect type of wing for today's NBA. So if he pans out and becomes even half of the player that I believe he can be, I really like the pick for them. And I think at worst he becomes a really, really solid role player. And and that's at the worst, like a, like an Andrew Wiggins level role player. Right. So, and at the best, I think he becomes, you know, an all-star, maybe all NBA level player. And you pair that with LaMelo ball, a true facilitator, you know, I think the future could be really, really bright in Charlotte. I think they just really need to, the two things they need to do is make sure they manage LaMelo ball correctly. And then obviously make sure they're doing everything they possibly can to develop Brandon Miller. I think those are the two things for them right now. I think that you're going to see another uh, losing season for them in terms of record, but, you know, winning in terms of, you know, you have LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller as the guys to run your team and your franchise for the next 10 years. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree. It's definitely going to take, you know, a lot of time uh, for this team, possibly two, three seasons for them to, you know, actually make some noise and they're going to have to, you know, really build something either through free agency or through, you know, making good draft picks. You know, they haven't really been able to show that under, you know, Michael Jordan's ownership, but they are under new ownership now. So we'll see if maybe that kind of can change some things going on in Charlotte. Absolutely. I think uh, the no Jordan era in Charlotte, (laughs) no, I don't think that matters, but Brandon Miller, smart man. He uh, chirped at Michael Jordan, got his competitive edge going. (laughs) Maybe that's the reason Jordan drafted him, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, That's going to be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Uh, We are going to move on to the Western Conference in our next one. 
Uh, we're not sure what division we're going to start with. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for us to start with, uh, make sure to let us know. You can also leave a like down below. Uh, subscribe, download, follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Boxing6FFSN. Uh, I'm Hershey Winkleman, he's Steven Dorf, and, uh, and uh, let's go Bucks.